Hey, redheads and everyone else listening, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Adrian. And today's episode, Steph, by far, best episode we've ever done. Coolest it's gonna one. Be. Yes. <laughs> We're getting down to the nitty gritty on. We want to know. Yeah. yeah. Do redheads feel more pain, less pain? What's our pain threshold? Is it high? Is it low? There's, it's so confusing, Adrian. It's so confusing. There's so many websites out there that are saying that redheads feel more pain because I think that they're reading that redheads have a higher pain threshold. So right. that does not mean that redheads feel more pain because they have a higher threshold. That would actually mean they have less pain. So yeah. we have heard just so many conflicting things. And to be honest with you, when you read these studies, I mean, they're very scientific, very, very well, Especially the one that just came out. Right. So that's what we're getting down to the yeah. bottom of. So the guy who did the study, his name is Dr. David E. Fisher. He's an MD, a PhD. And he recently just did a study at Mass General Hospital in Massachusetts. Um, and the findings were published in published in Science Advances. We featured it on howtobearedhead.com and then we immediately reached out to him and said, hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast to to just fix any misinformation out on the web about redheads and their pain threshold, right? Right. So here we are with, we're gonna call him in a few minutes. We're super excited. We've been prepping for this because this is not a typical beauty podcast, right? No, it's we, very scientific. It's very <laughs> scientific. And he is the lead guy. Um, he has been doing the studies. He is extremely intelligent, brilliant man who has done all of these studies about red haired individuals and how their pigment or how their genes is traced to feeling more pain or feeling less pain. So we're right. going to ask him point blank 101, what do redheads feel less pain or more pain? Um, we are super excited about having him on the podcast. Um, he, again, he's Dr. David E. Fisher. He's an MD, PhD. He's internationally known as a researcher, clinician, academic, who is the chief of the Massachusetts General Hospital Department of Dermatology at Harvard Medical School in Boston. He also serves as a director of the Mass General Hospital Cutaneous Biology Research Center and director of the Melanoma Center at Mass General Hospital. So he's a professor of dermatology and a pediatrics at Harvard Med School. Um, Dr. Fisher came to Mass General from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where he previously directed the melanoma program. So, wow, this is, I know. This is the guy <laughs> to talk to about if redheads feel more pain or not, right? Yeah. And, you know, hopefully we can also get down to his studies that he's done in the past too um, on melanoma. Um, and we'll touch know, upon we have, that. But this episode- we have so much to talk about though with pain. I yeah, like but that exactly. That might have to be a part too. Yep. And this, like, I, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that this podcast episode is really about pain because it's definitely very, yeah, it's confusing. And when we shared that article, what was it, two or three weeks ago when the study came out, Adrian and I just kind of summarized and took, you know, some from the study that was featured online from Science Advances. But 
when we shared it, especially on Facebook, Adrian, I don't know if you saw all the comments, there were a lot of questions. People were saying, Mm -hmm. okay, does this mean that I have a higher pain tolerance, a lower pain tolerance? Does that mean I can handle more pain? People are just very confused. I'm, I'm not surprised too. A lot of these headlines from some of these other outlets, um, like I think News Weekly or some big outlet, their title for the article when I was doing research agent before this podcast was so confusing. <laughs> no, I know it is. And I think honestly, from reading the articles, people are confused who's writing it because yeah, they're not scientists and, and it is it, it is technical. Um, another thing about Dr. Fisher is his training, just so you know how great this information is going to be from him. Um, his training is in medicine, pediatrics and oncology. And was carried out at Harvard Medical School. And he recently served for three years as president of the Society for Melanoma Research. And the Society for Melanoma Research it is the largest international society dedicated to the study of melanoma. So it's the, the largest. World. Yeah. So um, and he was the president. So, yeah, I know the guy. This yeah, the guy. <laughs> yeah. So let's call him up. Guess what, redheads? The H2Bar Box is now offering a deluxe version of the Beauty Box sent out four times a year in addition to the monthly box. You now have two options for enjoying the Beauty Subscription Box for Redheads. The monthly box is worth $80 plus and the deluxe quarterly box is worth $250 plus. Each and every product is Redhead Friendly approved. Head to h2barbox.com to subscribe and use code PODCAST to receive 20% off. Hi, Dr. Fisher. This is Adrian and Stephanie with the How to Be a Redhead podcast. Hi. Hi. Good to be here. It's so great to be here. Thank you for joining us. We are so excited um, because there's been a lot of confusion on social media, so we wanted to get to the bottom of it. In very simple terms, can you break down what you do, what you focus on, and the new research that you came out with surrounding the MC1R gene? We basically want to know if redheads feel more pain or less pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. So um, so we we have a, actually a, a fairly long history of, of interest in studying the science of the MC1R gene and and its role in pigmentation and in cancer risk and in uh, risk associated to ultraviolet radiation, um, skin health. Uh, And then more recently, we became interested in the connections that actually were historical connections that uh, we read about involving um, correlations between the MC1R variants that are associated with red hair and uh, altered pain thresholds. And um, and and so that led us to to move into an area that is is not our, our routine area of focus, um, and rather start studying pain thresholds and uh, and and what is the influence of the MC1R gene in that. And so the way that we approached this was to utilize mice. We used animals, laboratory animals, for the study. And the reason for doing the, the animal studies rather than human studies is firstly, a lot of the human studies had been done previously so that uh, we knew what we were going to be trying to, to, um, to correlate um, had a, a correlation in humans, although in humans, for reasons I'll get to in just a second, it's much more complex. Mm. Um, whereas in the mouse, um, we have a, a, a much simpler, a more experimental control 
control over the nature of the experiment. And, and, and the reason for that is that the mice that we study are genetically um, they're, they're genetically backcrossed, which is to say that in a sense, the entire strain of mice, they're all like identical twins. Their, their genomes, their genetics is all what we call inbred. And so the strain of mice that we were studying, um, all the mice are genetically identical to each other. And so when we had mice with black fur and we compared them with mice that had red fur, the only genetic difference we know of, and you know, it's conceivable that there are very rare genetic events that could happen beyond our level of detection. But for practical purposes, the only genetic variable in that experiment is the MC1R gene. And uh, the, the red hair mouse being a really pretty beautiful model genetically of red hair in people. And so these are literally rusty colored mice. Uh, and, and again, we've primarily used these for studies of, of skin biology, skin health, uh, cancer, things of that nature. And when we had these mice, and, and, and I should say before I go on, in contrast to this experimental setting in mice that are genetically defined like this, humans just simply aren't that way. Um, humans are extremely outbred. So, um, you know, the relationship, the, even the genetic relationship between, let's say, two siblings is statistically about 25% identical if they have the same parents. Um, mm -hmm. The two parents have typically almost nothing in common with it unless they're, you know, their parents were related in some fashion. So human populations are enormously outbred. And if you take two random redheaded people from off the street, the odds are that in addition to their red hair that they share, um, the, the, the remaining 25,000 genes or so in the genome, um, you know, could be randomly distributed among many different variants. And so it is genetically extremely complicated to correlate a, a, a phenotype or a behavioral trait, let's say in this case, a pain threshold, um, to the red hair state in, in humans. And, and the way that scientists get around that is by studying many people so that you hope that the only thing that your trait is segregating with is the hair color. But technically, you don't know. There could be some hidden other genetic thing going on inside the body that is is actually explaining, let's say, a pain threshold in that case. So I, I, I'm not going to dig too deep into this, mm. but simply to say that, that the laboratory mouse has the advantage of, of what is considered to be a much simpler and, um, and, and understandable genetic background. And so if we compare black fur versus red fur in, in these strains, we are confident that it is the MC1R gene that is really behind that difference. There, there's no other known difference, and, and these are genetically defined. And so the first thing we did in this study was to compare pain thresholds, and, and we actually compared two different types of thresholds. But I have to, before I go into this, mention for a minute, what do we mean? What, what is a pain threshold? What is a pain threshold, and what is pain, and what is pain relief? Because these are all very related, but actually pretty different concepts. Um, and, and it's very important. I work in the, in the Department of Dermatology at a hospital, Massachusetts General Hospital at Harvard Medical School here in Boston. And I can tell you that um, our faculty, um, as well as anesthesiologists, surgeons, people who are in a situation where sometimes, uh, you know, there may be a 
a procedure that is involving patients and, and maybe the pain medicines would be needed, things of that nature. And they would all tell us, well, people with red hair walk into the room, I'm probably going to need more powerful pain medicine to give them pain relief or what we call analgesic relief um, to, so that they can avoid feeling pain. Um, that is a very different thing from what is the pain threshold. So when we measured pain, we, we didn't study analgesia. We didn't study relief from pain. We studied just the limit of where something is such a fine touch to where it can even be perceived as potentially what we would call pain. And, and the two types we measured were a pressure so this is like taking a, a filament like a hair, something extremely delicate, and poking the foot of the mouse through the bottom of the cage. And they don't typically feel it because it's so flexible. Then we take a slightly stiffer one and we poke it a few times. And we use these graded filaments until we just notice that after we poke it, the mouse lifts up its foot and licks it. That's what oh. we call we call that the threshold. That is the thickness, uh, that's a, a pressure threshold where they just sense that they want to lick their, their toes, something, they, they perceive something. Um, and, and that is a, a pressure threshold. And the other threshold that we measured was temperature threshold. And, and in this case, we put mice on a little plate that's kind of warm. It's a little, little bit warmer than we would all be comfortable standing on or sitting on something like that. And the same with the mice. But what we do is it's not extremely hot. So they will sit on there and we will set a stopwatch and count the seconds. We will count the time until they jump. And their sensation or their ability to perceive the what we call a thermal threshold, thermal nociceptive threshold, a, a temperature-related threshold um, is related to how long it takes before they perceive that and then they jump. And that also turns out to be a very sensitive way to measure. And you can quantify all these things. You can get statistical analyses. And when we did this in black mice versus red mice, we found reproducibly and similarly for both forms of, of sensation that the red-haired mice actually were more tolerant. That is to say, it took a stiffer poke or a longer time on the high temperature hot plate before they would lift their leg or, or jump. Hmm. And um, and we, we could even do this experiment with making the mice blinded. I should say making the experiment blinded to the person who ran it by adding another gene that made all the mice white. So we could, we could have the mice, so the MC1R gene encodes a protein on the surface of pigment cells. And when it functions strongly, the pigment is dark. And when it when the MC1R gene protein is not functioning, the pigment is red. But the actual pathway that, that, that actually produces the pigment, the melanin, within the melanocyte, within the pigment cell, requires several enzymes. And if we disabled one of those enzymes through another genetic trick in, in this strain of animals. We now had mice that were albinos, which were white. However, they could be albino, but still genetically red or genetically black, hmm. which allowed us to have the mice look white. And therefore, the experimenter who was testing pain thresholds couldn't tell if they were genetically red or genetically black. They would just do a blinded experiment and measure the pain thresholds without knowing. And then afterwards, we could 
sort of deconvolute the data. And even in that setting, the red, the genetically red mice had this higher pain threshold and the genetically black mice had the lower pain threshold so that it was blinded. It was, it was kind of a level of stringency to the test. Um, and so that's, that's the fundamental observation. And what we really then analyzed in much more detail was the mechanism that was responsible for this. How is it that something that's so seemingly unrelated as color of hair could impact the ability to sense pain? Where, where is this coming from? And um, I, I'll spare you the details of the many, many experiments that were used. Um, I, I can mention there were a combination of, of altering some of the genes using kind of genetic engineered models and using drugs that could either stimulate or block certain very specific pathways within the cells and within in the nervous system that perceives pain. Um, what it actually told us is several things. Number one is that the pigment cells, somewhat surprisingly, are actually secreting factors that have the ability to modulate pain. And, and right off the bat, that was sort of a surprising thing. I mean, who would ever expect that pigment cells have the capacity to make things that float around the bloodstream go into the brain and actually modulate, temper the ability to sense pain. Mm. Um, but that is exactly what we found. Uh, for example, we had a strain of mice that genetically had no pigment cells. And those mice, like the red-haired mice, actually had higher pain thresholds as well. And again, because these mice have a very known genetic background, these were not really ambiguous experiments like they would more likely be in a human population because there were just individual genes being varied from experiment to experiment. Um, and, and so in a little bit more detail, what we found is that the effect of having the MC1R red hair variant, which is a lower functioning version of the receptor, the protein that MC1R encodes, is causing the secretion, the secreted factors that affect pain threshold end up having a different proportion of signals that protect against pain, anti-pain, opiate-like signals, versus the opposite side of this kind of seesaw, pro-pain types of signals, signals that, um, that in, increase a sensitivity to pain. And it turns out that the pigment cells secrete factors that, um, that, that have the capacity to affect both sides of that balance. Um, there are factors that can increase sensitivity to pain and decrease sensitivity to pain. Both of them are decreased in the red hair background, but when they are decreased equivalently in the red haired background on both sides of the seesaw, it turns out that has the net effect of tipping the balance in favor of the anti-pain side of the seesaw because there are other sources of anti-pain mm. molecules and signals in the body coming from non-pigment cells. And those sources have not been changed in redheads versus non-redheads. Those other sources, there, there's no impact. And therefore, the contribution of melanocytes is very small to the anti-pain total signal but is proportionally much higher to the, the signals that are enhancing sensitivity, the pro-pain signals on the opposite side. So 
again, uh, sorry for a lot of detail around this. No, love it. um, Basically, what what we're seeing is firstly that pigment cells in the body, in fact, do make factors that modulate the, the threshold or the sensitivity to pain to multiple forms, both, as I mentioned, pressure and, and temperature. We don't know that that would be true to every other type of pain. There are other forms of pain, um, but, but at least for these two, which we think are quite representative, we do see that. And secondly, that uh, the mechanism behind it is, is quite intricate um, and, and actually opens up some, we think, interesting aspects of how pain is generally regulated within the body and you know, maybe down the line could even generate new types of pain relief medicines um, on the basis of understanding this. Um, but I, I do want to mention one other very important point because I, I started this whole point out, this this little explanation out a few minutes ago, by pointing out that the clinicians here will tell you that people with red hair will say, "I need more pain medicine," as though. I'm more sensitive to pain, mm. but I just told you that our studies actually showed the opposite. The opposite. Our, our studies showed that you're less sensitive to pain. Mm. And, okay. um, and so we have thought enormously about this. What, what, what does this mean? I mean, this almost seems to be contradictory, um, but it, it's actually interesting and, and we think actually very important. So the first point is that sensitivity to pain of the type that we measured is just identifying that limit where you just begin to sense pain. When pain is so mild, but you just pick it out. What is that that threshold? But that is very different from what does it take to give me relief from pain? What does it take if I walk in and I have pain or if somebody is going to um, you know, make a scrape in my skin, how much morphine, how much benzocaine, how much whatever the, the medicine that would be used as a pain reliever would it take to reverse that pain, to produce analgesia? That's actually a very, very different endpoint. And that tends to be the endpoint that a lot of patients feel. They're, they're not necessarily going around saying, you know, I just touched this very gently and, you know, I, I didn't really think it was painful. Did you think that was painful? That tends not to be as much what the conversation is. But people do remember if there was something where they just they felt pain and it just wouldn't go away and they took pain medicine, still wasn't going away. Or, you know, the doctor was having to inject more and more numbing medicine. Um, that is the, the the scenario where which seems to be backwards, but actually is not backwards. I think it's just different. Yeah. And um, and there are potential reasons of why it might be different. I cannot say that we studied that in this particular uh, in this particular study, but there's some interesting hypotheses of why that would be. Um, but but the last thing I want to say about this is that. I think the very fact that we see a clear difference in the threshold and just the limit of pain sensing demonstrates in a genetically clean way using these laboratory animals that this is a real thing, that the pain threshold differences that, that were identified, um, you know, this is not in, in some people's minds or, you know, an old wives' tale or something that maybe it's real, maybe it's not real. This is in a, in a genetically blind, a very rigorous type of a study suggests that this is something that is really encoded in our genomes. 
uh, we've evolved to have this. It's even it's even true in mice. There was evidence that this was true in humans, and I think now in in mice being corroborated with more genetic power to the studies, I think demonstrates that. Um, and and I think what it also means is for a clinician. Um, even in the setting of pain relief, which is not exactly what was studied here, the the concerns that there are differences that red-haired people would, you know, would often verbalize, are real ones, and and almost certainly need to be taken very seriously. Uh, and I think it will be really interesting to understand mechanistically why is it that it takes more pain medicine to control the pain in the red-haired backgrounds. Wow. Okay. So that answered so much. I have all these notes I've been writing down. So, so redheads are, do feel less pain. That, that, that's what the studies show. But of course, people are more concerned about what pain medicines to use to relieve that pain. Um, and that's kind of why the dialogue is getting confused by like, if redheads feel more pain, or they feel less pain, because they're really not understand it. They're more thinking about how to get rid of the pain than they are thinking about like the origin of the pain. Exactly. Okay. In other words, they're, they're not measuring the, just the limit. How sensitive are they to, uh, to developing pain in the first place? They're thinking, how quickly can I get rid of it? Right. As, as I would too, as everybody does, you right. know, you're, you're not really thinking, hmm, will I have pain today as much as, you know, can I tune it down so I barely, barely have pain. It, it's it's more, I need this procedure done. I'm going to have a tooth pulled or I'm going to have a baby or, you know, there's things that are kind of painful out there. The question that most people have appropriately is, can you please control this doctor? And the right. doctor will say, I need more pain medicine to control it. And they, this is universally agreed upon by physicians that that is true. And and I would, I would actually give you a proposed uh, mechanism of why this would be. Because if you have a perpetually different pain threshold on the basis of hair color, that probably is tuning the pathway and altering the sensitivity to pain medicines in a way that's going to be different. Yeah. And you know, that without going into a whole lot of detail about it, biology is filled with examples like that. Um, you know, if you if you one way to think about it is like you use a, a pain medicine over and over and over and over, and it may not work as well the tenth time or the twentieth time. Mm. Um, and and so, in a sense, the pain, um, the 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 pathways that are tempering the perception of pain are being chronically stimulated at different levels, at different set points. So, in in my thinking about this, I'm actually not surprised that there would be a difference. And I'm not even that surprised that it would seem backwards, that um, that redheads wouldn't have the ability to respond as well to mm. opiate type pain medicines. Um, and, I, and I think there are physicians who will even say different categories of pain medicines are more likely to be efficacious in people with red hair as opposed to non-red hair. But I, I think a lot of research could be helpful there and then hopefully simply provide the pain relief that, that, that these individuals want and deserve to have. Right, right. And so if I heard you right too, the, the reason for the anti-pain and why it's so strong in redheads, specifically in the red-haired mice, is because of two things, because of the MC1R gene and because of the pigment cells. So those two things make it so that redheads really feel the anti-pain. Is that true? Did I get that right? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by feel the 
anti-pain. Sorry. Oh, why, why are they receiving an anti-pain signal? Right. Um, yes. Okay. In a way that's right. Yes. So okay. the, the MC1R gene, uh, which is its protein is made in pigment cells. Um, but it is exactly, it's, it's the signals that the pigment cell sends out that are resulting in a different balance between anti-pain and propane signals. But Got that's it. Right. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So another question too is a lot of people were asking this on our Facebook page. So I just wanted to bring it to the attention, but they want to know why mice are chosen and there's not human studies. Yeah. So really important. I, I mean, really who cares about pain thresholds in mice? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more as a physician myself. Um, so two things I would say. Number one, and, and I've alluded to some of this before. Number one, a lot of the evidence supporting this was already published in humans. Um, mm. and, and over 10, 20 years ago already, where people had done like very light touch and temperature sensation, things of that nature. So there had been some studies already that had proposed that in humans, having red hair also would make these individuals less sensitive to that threshold of pain, that limiting minimum threshold for sensing pain. Um, and so it was very important for us to be sure that what we saw in the mice matched those data, and it did. Um, and that's what we did before we then went on to study the mechanism in mice, because otherwise, what do we care? Maybe mice are just different. But right. the pattern that we saw, the pattern we saw matched what had previously been seen in humans. So so that, that was the first part of this. And the second reason that mice were chosen for this rather than humans is that in mice, we have this clean genetic background where we can have literally one gene varied between two mice that we're comparing to each other, one gene is different, but nothing else out of 25,000 genes in our genome. So mm -hmm. if there is a difference, we know what we can correlate that with. We know it's related to MC1R, the red hair gene, and not some other hidden genetic difference. Whereas in human populations that are not genetically identical, um, you have to play much more statistical analyses and you can easily, and there are many, many examples where you know, studies in humans that tried to pin a, a behavior, let's say, to uh, something like hair color or skin or you know, many other variables, it may correlate, but it turned out that was not the cause. It was something else that you weren't really thinking of that turned out to be the cause. So in the mice, we had much more genetic rigor and, mm. and that made a big advantage. Okay. Um, you've answered so many questions. I, um, I think you're brilliant. Stephanie and I both were like blown away by your background. Um, so you've answered a lot for just like the redhead community about our pain, our threshold and, and really cleared up a lot of misinformation about this topic. Um, and we did want to talk to you about melanoma and skin cancer more prevalent in redheads, but that might be a whole other discussion because we don't want to take up too much of your time, but we are so excited to finally know the truth. So thank you so much. My, my pleasure. And, um, and I, I can tell you, melanoma is a very, very important topic, very dear to my heart, something that we've We've studied. There's a lot of progress in that. So, um, the the most important thing I can say is for for people with red hair and and very light skin, it's critically important to be careful for the sun and even beyond 
being careful for the sun to have their skin checked, be very mindful of changes that are happening in the skin um, because it, it, it is a largely though not entirely preventable form of skin cancer and right. it can be a really scary form as you know. So um, yeah. do be super cautious about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom and your work. We thank you so much for your, for coming okay. on. Okay. My pleasure. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Guess what, Redheads? The H2Bar Box is now offering a deluxe version of the Beauty Box sent out four times a year in addition to the Monthly Box. You now have two options for enjoying the Beauty Subscription Box for Redheads. The Monthly Box is worth $80 plus and the Deluxe Quarterly Box is worth $250 plus. Each and every product is Redhead Friendly approved. Head to h2barbox.com to subscribe and use code podcast to receive 20% off. Okay, so we are less sensitive to pain. Yes, it's confirmed that we are less sensitive to pain and redheads feel less pain. Right. Because of two reasons, because of the MC1R gene and because of our pigment cells. So those two things together make us feel less pain. Now he said the reason why a lot of, a lot of people think that we feel Okay, so it's kind of confusing, right? So we feel less pain. Right. So it will help. So let's in... say so let's use an example. Let's say we stub our toe. Well, he they only tested temperature and pressure. Okay. So let's say so we put our hand not that you're going to put on a hot like plate. A, on a hot plate. Someone might go, ooh, like right away. We might go, ooh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and right, then pressure, right, right. pressure is like, um, like the example he gave with pricking the mouse or the mice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Is pressure. Yeah. Um, right. And it took a few times. Remember, they tried it once. And it didn't lift its foot up or whatever. And then they tried it again and again or with the sturdier, he said. Yeah. yeah. And then they picked it up. So maybe for like a brown or a black mouse, the first time they would have lifted its foot up. Right. So for pressure in the everyday world, when do you get pressured? Like, um, like if someone pinches you? I don't know. Maybe when you get a needle? That's kind of pressure, like, don't you think? That's a prick. Yeah. It's a prick. I mean, if you have to prick your finger, like, have you ever had to prick your finger? Like, I have to because, like, my little blood sugar, like, I... Yeah. You're So you're going to feel that less. So if you feel exactly. that less, you have a higher threshold of pain. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are getting confused because you feel less pain, but that means that you have a higher threshold for pain. Right. So when That's people see so the less and the, and the higher, it's, and I really think a lot of articles online are not correct. Like they're not reading it correctly. No, they're not. The, the titles, when I was doing are research before this podcast, misleading. yeah. And when we were, did the editorial article, which maybe we should go back and, well, we'll put that, we'll change that up once this episode, you know, now that we've aired, but um, yeah, it makes total sense now. He really yeah. simplified it. We hope <laughs> to have him on for part two, talking about melanoma and, you know, that topic in general is something that 
Like he said, it's near and dear to his heart and the, the, the topic. Exactly. And it's something that we cover and have covered a lot in the past. And I think that it will be very important and beneficial to every redhead listening. Wouldn't you agree, mm-hmm. Adrian, about knowing yeah. that, you know, the importance of wearing sunscreen and staying sun protected and getting those freckles and moles and getting skin checks as imperative. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really it's really everything. Um, yeah. And so, it's, yeah, I, yeah, I feel, I feel like I kind of just went, took a class. <laughs> too. I was like taking all these notes cause I wanted to make sure that I was really following along and, and answering and, and, and asking the right questions. Um, but I mean, I wasn't sure in the beginning, like what he, when he was talking about the mice, I was so interested to know how that reflects on humans. And he did answer that. He said that, um, they have to, they have, there, there's already been studies done with humans. So right. the mice are just an added, added studies. Now, what I do find interesting too, and what I, what um, I know will happen, even though we didn't ask him, is there's definitely going to be more studies in the future mm-hmm. regarding this topic. I mean, it seems like it's something that is very important for doctors to understand when prescribing redheads pain medication. Because if we feel the pain less, then the medicine will have to be different that's given to us. And he did talk about that. So that is really what's super interesting is understanding how the doctors are then going to prescribe redheads pain medication. That's I know because he mentioned. Yeah, I yeah, I totally I mean, we didn't go into detail about um, like dentist, but I'm sure that has something to do with pain. Right, right. Yeah. And, and uh, there have been a, like a lot of posts about how redheads feel more pain at the dentist. But according to his studies, redheads would feel less pain at the dentist. Yeah. Because there is pressure and there is temperature changes in your mouth, right? Or like when you're getting a cleaning. Yeah. Um, so in fact, it seems like the dentist would be less painful for a redhead. Right. Now how you how you take and like if they give you Novocaine or something, that's a completely different topic. Because they're gonna give you your dose based on if the doctor knows about the study, based on your red hair. So I I got the impression that it's still like developing, but it seems like he is very confident that redheads feel less pain. Yeah. So Yeah. Anyway, this I mean, has been yeah, really interesting stuff. <laughs> we were really nervous for this podcast because, you know, we can talk about skincare and beauty. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to science and stuff, but he really led the way with this interview and like we said, really simplified it and made Adrian and I understand. And hopefully you guys understand. Yeah. We hope him, we have him on again. So, um, yeah. And want to help us spread the news about the how to be a redhead brand in this podcast please give us a five-star review and tell your friends redheads and everyone else to subscribe you can listen to this podcast directly on howtobearedhead.com on spotify apple itunes google play or wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to look at the podcast notes to find links with products mentioned in well in this case um notes about what dr fisher has said and links we'll to do lots of posts about it yeah and links to his studies and so much more rocket like a, rocket rocket like a redhead, redhead.